having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. I'm really excited. This is my first time recording in studio. Oh, really? Yeah, I usually do. Well, we started during the pandemic, so I had yeah. been doing it um, all virtually. And then living in L.A., it's uh, the there's just not as uh, as much staff there right. as there is here, so it's a little tougher. Um, do you have seltzer? If seltzer, yes. If not, no. It's you know what? yes, actually. We yeah, do, I'll um, take a seltzer. Oh. Something bubbly. Yes. yes. Would you like uh, like lemon watermelon flavor? Watermelon. Oh, that not hard, right? No, no. no oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I bug you for a water as well? Absolutely. I'm like making yes. my way through okay. this. Yeah. I'm so there's, there's a dehydrated. Machine that lets oh, fun. Yeah. So, would you like a seltzer as well? Is it or? Oh, regular is fine. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll be burping the whole time. Oh yeah. I'm like out of control. Um, okay, so you guys sound good. So okay. whenever, can yeah. I pull this down a little? Uh, yeah. Okay. Just make Am I good? sure when you talk, um, just if it seems a little low, but oh, I tend to talk really loud, so I oh, that's why I pulled okay, it okay. down because okay. I was <laughs> like, oh no, am I gonna as be yelling? You, okay, I'll keep an eye on this. How long have you been doing this? Uh, and it. It's a uh, what's the name of it again? Long story long. Yeah, uh, a little bit more than a year and a half. Great. So I. Uh, I mean, r- truly, it's just an excuse to talk to people I like. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Well, oh, I'm glad. Yeah. That, oh, that means you like me. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, so I'll, uh, whenever we get started, I'll, I'll start, I'll ask you questions as if I don't know anything, you know, because the audience. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, okay. So you're good. So whenever you guys want, feel free to start. Okay. Are we recording mm-hmm. right now? Oh. Yep. Oh. Okay. Oh, wait, you're hitting it now. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. Uh, welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is the wonderful and incredible author of uh, Burn Down the Ground, a New York Times bestseller, and the owner of QED, Cambry Cruz. Hi. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I'm so stoked for yeah, this. Yeah, I'm very excited to be in the Sirius XM building in New York City, where I spent so many hours so many very early waking hours here in this I building. I love it. Were yeah. you doing a show here? No, I was um, a producer and publicist for a comedy club uh, um, oh. for comics with an X, which... Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> for radio, you always have to clarify that. <laughs> yeah, it is funny when people um, make like a a pun or a word joke that has to do with spelling I'm like, so now we have to spell it out <laughs> yeah. you know and I like walk people through everything right yeah um well the the original comics was in the meatpacking district this beautiful club and um and I would uh take all the guests around and do PR for them and, and oh. do radio and, and television tours the today show good morning oh, wow. America, serious and all that that's yeah. fun that's interesting yeah. it was very early in the morning oh, <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it's interesting to see uh how people behave at that hour <laughs> not, not well are they out of their minds there are some that are great at that time in the morning and uh, others who do not uh clearly do not operate well that's at funny that time. yeah I was always a night person and now I'm a morning person because I'm like oh I have this little sliver of time where it's mine and everyone mm-hmm. else is quiet yeah and no one will reply yes <laughs> yeah and then that's frustrating and then I start spot and then everybody answers all at the same time at noon and then I have a mental <laughs> yeah. breakdown you know um so where did you grow up uh, I grew up in south Texas north of Houston no one usually has heard of it. It's a town okay. called Montgomery. Okay. It's northwest of Houston. And a, a, the closest big town was Conroe. Uh, when I grew up there in the mid to late 70s and early 80s, um, 
it was very much off the grid. Uh-huh. I think now it's got a Walmart. And, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's well, always the first thing to come in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, stop sign. The, yeah. Uh, oh. A stoplight. Oh. And then, yeah, yeah. A stoplight was a very uh, big upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> That's My town had one stoplight for most of my childhood. And then when we got two, it was like, we're Whoa. so metropolitan. <laughs> Look at us. We're going to need a, a crossing guard. <laughs> yeah. Sooner or later, we'll have electricity. Uh, yeah. Wait, where'd you yeah, grow up? Uh, this little town called Cedar Lake, Indiana. Uh-huh. It's like an hour out of Chicago. Okay. Um, but very small. I think it was like 7,000 people when I was growing oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, Montgomery was considerably smaller than that. And Conroe was probably more like what you're talking about, oh, yeah. um, where you grew up. Um, and Houston, huge metropolis. Oh, yeah. Huge and I'd lived there for a short time. Mm-hmm. From I, w- I went to uh, kindergarten and through second grade there, but um, it was just far enough away that to get there was a a, a, a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And but so we like... would usually go to Galveston instead because, like, the beach versus oh yeah the opera. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were growing up, did you know you wanted to get into? Did you know you wanted to be a writer or? get into comedy at all no no uh it's funny I never even even now as a New York (laughs) Times bestseller do not say that I'm a writer I'm not a writer I just happened to write a book about a really insane life yeah um but uh I always wanted to be in showbiz that Mm -hmm. I knew um you know, I just didn't know my best chances were like an episode of Cops or something. <laughs> sure, sure. Wait, so did you, what capacity do you see yourself doing? Well, when you're a kid, you don't really know, or I didn't, especially being, first of all, my parents are deaf. So mm-hmm. um, uh, our cultural, uh, access to cultural things is a little limited yeah. because of their interests. Mm-hmm. And we did watch television, of course, but closed captioning didn't exist. And Oh, um, no. What? No, closed captioning Wait, when wasn't did they in, start that? Like in the late 80s, early 90s. It seems George, so simple. George uh, Bush the first um, passed the ADA Act. Yeah, the Americans with Disabilities That's Act in like crazy. 91 or 93. That is so yeah. late. Insanely late, yes. And so until then, it was just like, I don't know, we don't have any clue. <laughs> no, or your parents it, are I having was, you sign everything? I was the interpreter, yeah. So I saw like Halloween when I in the theater yeah. when I was Five, six. That's so funny. Wait, were they then also watching like rated R movies? Oh, They're like, yeah, don't look, just no, no, sign no. the words. <laughs> no, they didn't tell me not to look. I do. I don't know if this is true amongst all deaf uh, families, but I do think deaf culture in general is just a lot more sexually open. Oh, um, uh, just op- more open-minded, and I don't know why that is, but that's uh, odd. Yeah, no, it's just very blunt. Uh, there's not a lot of room for nuance. Oh, sure. I mean, I guess yeah. if you don't have, uh, well, I mean, I guess you'd be able to do it with ASL also, like have inflections in your voice and, you know. Right. Well, there's... inflections in your voice through sign language is through body language uh-huh. and eye movement and ha- hand movement. My husband, when he first met me, he thought I was trolling him because I was like, it's just so into him I, physically. I, like... Like... <laughs> and he's like, oh, like, no. Miming your juggling. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, what's happening? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, no, that's my accent. <laughs> that, you know, I grew up in Texas and I don't have a very strong Texas accent, but my accent really is just my very over-the-top facial expressions and body language because I'm constantly trying to convey how I feel through my body and my face yeah are you also an expert lip reader then I used to be I'm okay now I uh yeah I'm pretty good 
yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I don't have, I like, I, it looks like magic when I see people doing, speaking in ASL, because I'm like, how do you, there's such slight movements, uh-huh. how do you know? There is a study, we're off, uh, we're going off. Oh yeah, the, we're going off. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a study somewhere, and of course I'm not going to be able to cite it right now, of course. about that CODAs, uh, children mm-hmm. of deaf adults, mm-hmm. CODA, CODAs, um, and deaf people as well, have just a fraction of a second more uh, quick, they can just dis- determine somebody's behavior and emotions uh-huh. and as- they can assess a situation just a fraction of a second faster than, oh, wow. uh, yeah. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when it comes to the human brain and mind uh, and uh, yeah. physical reactions and yeah. stuff. So I always do feel like I'm much more in tune with what's happening in my venue, for example, I can see things ahead of time before they're about to happen. Yeah. It feels like it's ahead of time, but of course it's just a nanosecond or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. That's but, really um, fascinating. Yeah. So you, you knew you wanted to get into entertainment. How yeah. did you start moving into that space? Well, okay. So we were way off the grid, no electricity, no running water, mm. no plumbing for a hot minute. And then we got those things for, for a while. And then the trailer was repossessed and things like that. Bad things happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in the book, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, being off the grid and so far into the woods and before the internet and really we only had three television stations. We mm-hmm. could there were four PBS. Pfft, who's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> your parents aren't having you translate that? They're like forget it. And then the three big ones, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and one of them usually wouldn't come in reception wise, you know, we're of so course. far out in yeah. the woods. Um, so you really had to entertain yourself, especially in the summertime. My parents, they worked very long hours mm-hmm. and they left me and my brother out in the woods to kind of fend for ourselves. And I always said it was kind of <laughs> like a Southern fried Lord of the Flies. It was just like <laughs> wild, wild yeah. kids just fending for themselves. And it was kill or be killed. And um, it was it was fun yeah. uh, and very chaotic. Yeah. Um, and I would just figure out ways to entertain myself. I created a library in my bedroom, a fully functional library, I love Dewey it. Decimal System. I, love it. <laughs> I had customers, uh, which, <laughs> you know, now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I was operating a little business and I was marketing yeah. and, and promoting you it. Sell books at and QED. I, now I have a card catalog at <laughs> yeah. QED and I sell books. And, and then I also wrote and directed a puppet show using paper mache puppets that I had created. Oh, I love it. I made, uh, paper mache characters of the the peanuts mm-hmm. so like linus lucy so charlie brown and snoopy and all that out of and then i made their little bodies out of felt and uh-huh. stuff and then i wrote a script and built a puppet theater mm-hmm. made a program sold tickets had popcorn and kool-aid and it had a concession <laughs> oh stand God, and so i promoted precious. and I marketed it yeah. and it's like oh i was doing all the things that i do now at qed yeah, that's so but funny. At eight or nine years old through 10, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. And uh, so I was doing the thing that I wanted yeah. to do, and I didn't realize that that was a job. I just thought, oh, I want to be a movie star when I grow up. But I thought that that was the only job you could really get in show yeah. business or the only one worth having, yeah. <laughs> you know, to be rich and famous. Like I wanted to be like Aaron Moran or, you know, yeah. the, uh, Blair and yeah. you know, Facts of Life and those kinds of kids. That's funny. It is. It is funny that like as far out there as jobs and entertainment are truly 
it's like as kids if you want to be in entertainment you think of like the highest you're like okay well I'll be Meryl Streep I suppose because that's what's available to me versus like right. the million other jobs that are probably way more available right to right, right yeah but also I didn't know that I would I loved what I was doing mm-hmm. that I thought oh I wanted to be on stage in front of the camera or, or behind mm-hmm. the microphone and so I did get involved in theater and um, not in Montgomery it was such a small little school they didn't really have a theater program they had more like these traveling uh, university interscholastic league competitions yeah. where I would recite poetry and do readers theater yeah. and that kind of stuff and uh, mime and whatever. But when I got to high school, there was a more proper theater program and I immediately got involved in that and I did a lot of theater in Akron and Cleveland for a bit. And, um, but uh, any time that I was ever involved in a production, mm-hmm. what I enjoyed the most was the camaraderie and the teamwork uh-huh. and the rehearsing and the promoting it and producing of it and yeah. everything. Just being a part of this like, big community. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, as far as comedy goes, I had no idea. In a million years, I would never have said, oh, I would want to be in comedy. Because you already knew how bad comedians are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, keep me away. I don't know. <laughs> but if I if I really took an, a, a magnifying glass to my life, I'm like, oh, I was listening and enjoying stand up comedy my entire life and didn't realize uh-huh. how in, instrumental that was, it was. Was that something you tapped into through your parents? Were they no, fans? Th- or? No, because they were deaf. Oh, yeah. They didn't, <laughs> didn't really. Know if this was something you were translating yeah. also. No, <laughs> if anything, my dad would refuse to let me watch Sanford and Son because Red Fox was, oh, yeah. he thought, was so vulgar. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, it's it's a sitcom, Dad. So his stand-up might be vulgar or vile or whatever. As far as you know, a deaf man who has never heard him perform. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but there was uh, Columbia Records had the 12 cassettes for a penny of course yeah 13 I signed up for yeah. that yeah went right to collections when I didn't pay. <laughs> right and because my parents they didn't know what I was listening yeah. to I, I just got whatever I wanted and um, I got uh, all the comedy albums of Eddie Murphy uh, Richard Pryor Bill Cosby um, oh man, it's a- yeah, yeah. I think that that a lot of us start out that way because mm-hmm. it seems like that's all there is. Yeah. Well, and that was what Columbia Records was pushing. Yeah. But I did watch religiously, and I can vividly recite some uh, sketches from Carol Burnett show. Oh, yeah. And I Love Lucy and things like that. So I was very much um, a fan of comedy without realizing that that was the uh, career path that I would eventually find. Yeah. yeah. So from doing theater in Akron, so that was you were in college there? No, or, I got married oh, when I was 17. Oh. Yeah. The guy, uh, my dad tried to kill my mother. And so I had to get out. Just keeping of, it yeah, light. You know, I had to get out of there. So I got married to a man who was 23 years old and in the Navy when I was 17 and in high school. No, no one should be married before like 30. <laughs> right? I'm like, my mom had to sign the permission slip like I was going on a field that trip. Is I'm like, hilarious. it's just a really long field hilarious. trip. Very yeah. important one. <laughs> But in her defense, uh, the movie Top Gun had just come out, and he did work on F-14 Tomcats, so it was oh. like patriotic oh, duty. Oh, well, there you, you are. Know. Yeah. God bless America. It is funny also, <laughs> like what you said about your dad trying to kill your mom. My my parents are wild people, uh, not to that extent, but they did own a biker bar, and I wasn't allowed to watch anything with swears. And I'm like, <laughs> we, I literally hang out with bikers, and that, that juxtaposition of like, no, you can't hear swear words, but 
our lives are chaos is so insane to me. Like, yeah. what is the, what well, are you protecting me from? A lot of my dad's w- is more race driven. Oh, he was sure. A, yeah. Oh, yeah. lovely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So there's that. Uh, so, <laughs> so you're doing um, the theater in Akron. Yeah. So when he got out of the Navy, my ex-husband, um, uh, we uh, moved to Akron mm-hmm. and I, you know, it was the early 90s, taking his last name and moving across the country. It was like this um, uh, hillbilly witness protection program. I got to, like, reinvent my life, you know? The internet, the kids these days, they don't know how great it is to start a whole new life. fall off the map, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. So I got to kind of reinvent myself and um, uh, kind of process all the trauma that I'd been through. And, like, the first thing I did as soon as I was physically and mentally able was audition for a show, and I got... um, cast in Noises Off. Mm-hmm. Um, very fun farce. Uh, and I won an award for it and I started doing regional theater oh. and I just immediately was hooked. But for a while, uh, it was, I was starting to get like a little, little teeny local TV mm-hmm. stuff and it just felt like I was a big fish in a small pond and I got to bust out of this joint. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up in Columbus, Ohio, which is the worst place on earth. Sorry <laughs> if you live there now. <laughs> I'm sure if you're raising kids there, it's probably a lovely place, but I was single and uh, trying to get involved in theater, and it was the worst sure, place for both of those things. Yeah, It's not good for no those. No. And I don't know what Columbus is good for. I'm sorry, everyone in Columbus. Yeah. Shopping at listening. a mall, I'm yes. sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, I feel like that's a lot of the Midwest. Well, honestly, now if I were to go back as a fully formed human, I think I would be like, oh, there's some history here that I never sure, explored. Yeah. And, you know, uh-huh. but uh, I would, again, in single. <laughs> that's yeah. the big operating <laughs> yeah, word single there. In your 20s. Wait, how long were you married then? Almost five years. I mean, we gave it a good college try. I'm that's still friends with him and um, his family. Seven yeah, in yeah. fact, a, a friend of the family is coming to stay with me next oh, that's week so sweet. or this week. Oh gosh, I got to clean the shower. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, um, we we gave it a good college try. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's really funny. So you so you moved to Columbus. How long are you in Columbus? Then just two doing... years, just doing banking, and uh, then that's how I got more involved in um, event marketing uh-huh. because there wasn't a lot of theater there, and so I, event marketing. Definitely uh, taught me a lot about PR and marketing mm-hmm. overall in general, and I'm glad I did it. And it's been tremendously uh, useful in operating. Oh, I can imagine a club, but also for my career path. Once I moved to New York, I moved to New York just ap- right after Columbus. I, I lived in Cincinnati for a hot minute, like six mm-hmm. months, which was really great. But I I wanted to be in New York. Yeah. And, um, and in New York, I was I immediately got involved in off Broadway production and promotion yeah and um when I met my then boyfriend now husband Christian Mm -hmm. Finnegan he was a comedian he Mm -hmm. had just filmed the Chappelle show it hadn't aired yet um and uh he had had like a a premium blend special Mm -hmm. or something like that so he was so funny by the way thank you um so he, I realized he was terrible at promotion, and all his friends were too. They were just terrible at self promotion. Oh yeah, so many are. So so many are, and I get it. It's mm-hmm. it, it feels gross and dirty, and it's outside your wheelhouse. You're not you don't know where to start, and um, promoting yourself it just feels gross. Yeah. Um, or maybe it should feel gross. Yeah, the people that love it, I'm like, oh, oh. you're you're unwell. I can't be around <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> you're a monster. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
So yeah, when I saw how bad he was at promoting himself, he didn't have a website. And mm -hmm. I had taught myself HTML uh, and had a GeoCities account. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I taught myself HTML through GeoCities. Um, so I, I created for his 30th birthday to let him know I was serious about him. Mm -hmm. I created a website for him, ChristianFinnegan.com. Really yeah. yeah. And I designed well. it and, and hooked that up for him. And, but yeah, I, it, it became really clear, oh, this is, comedy is so much easier to produce. You need one microphone. Oh, then events and things. Then off-Broadway, mm -hmm. where I had just made it my first off-Broadway production and you've got the union rehearsal mm -hmm. space the theater multiple actors and and moving parts and which anytime you have the more people you have involved the more likely there's going to be oh, yeah, turmoil and it. yeah uh, just <laughs> miscommunication yeah, human management yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. good. So HR. at this point, have you stopped acting then? Or are you still doing that? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the event marketing stuff uh, had thrown me off course. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I moved to New York, it became abundantly clear that, oh, I like acting, but I'm not an actor. You know, oh, these yeah. people have are... You're not that annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like, these people have devoted so much yes. time and energy and they met, uh, that I just... I was like, no, I like doing it. If you cast me in a in a community theater production mm -hmm. right now, I would do a great job and I would have the time of my life yeah. and I wouldn't need to get paid and everything would be yeah. okay. But yeah, I don't need uh, anything beyond Yeah, if it's that. not a big driving force, then it's yeah. like not worth the strife. The strife and the Oof. struggle and yeah. the rejection and the, uh, yeah, yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Hey, at least all the personal rejection goes away when you, wait, whoops, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you started doing marketing and everything for Christian and some of his friends. Yeah, and I started my own PR and production company, um, and I uh, repped um, Ophir Eisenberg. Oh, she's and great, Andre Duboucher. Oh my God, so and, funny. Yeah, and I did some tour. Uh, uh, I promoted a tour for Eugene Merman, mm -hmm. uh, um, Andy Kindler, and Mark Marin called Stand Upity. I think it was. Was that oh, that's what funny. Called? When about would that have been? Mm, the mid aughts, maybe two thousand eight, mm. maybe a little later than that. Yeah. Is it so funny too? By the way, this is a total sidebar, but to see all these people you started working with and like the different paths you all went down, because it's like who would have thought that Marin would have president obama on his podcast I know, one that, that one's the weird one for me i was like <laughs> yeah, he's so great at it but i yeah, would yeah, never yeah. have predicted that but it's yeah. like wait what happened okay yeah. great well when i um uh, in that same time period though i started uh, my own pr and production mm -hmm. company that's when i started doing pr for comics with mm -hmm. an x <laughs> yes and um that's how i met a lot of potential clients as well and uh at comics this beautiful place uh but poorly designed mm -hmm. They had a downstairs space that they meant to have for private events, but the poor design meant that it was right next to a bathroom and the kitchen. Oh, no. Yeah, so the upstairs theater would let out 400 people all going downstairs to the bathroom. Holy. So if you want to have this private event in this lovely little space, you've got a line of people waiting. Yeah, it was yeah just and there's just awkward. like loud in the hallway. In the kitchen, they, the guys in the kitchen would always prop the door open because it was hot and yeah, you'd hear all the kitchen noise. Of it was course. just not ideal. So it sat empty, and I was like, hey, can I do something with this? And so they let me sublet it, and I created this little space called Ochi's Lounge. Oh. And Ochi's Lounge 
is basically now I say that QED is Ochi's 2.0. Um, oh, okay. It is uh, mine uh, in my own space, but I would never have been able to open QED had I not had Ochi's because, oh. yeah, Ochi's definitely uh, taught me how to run a room and book it. And I was able to just hone my my talent selection i mm-hmm. guess is that a word man uh, like uh headhunting yeah, kind of because that is a that is a thing curation that's, that's tough curating yeah yeah especially putting together a lineup and seeing like who goes together mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know all yeah that. and how a night will flow because i i run and i ran ochi's the way i run qed which is mm-hmm. i have a lot of outside producers who um uh, then i'll book several shows in one night run by outside producers mm-hmm. but then i also have host house shows and stuff yeah but uh, um, going back to your thing about working with people who are now big or have taken weird different career yeah. paths like there, Ochi's is a who's who of who was um, really yeah. Coming. Do you have photos and things from uh-huh. that? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Not yeah. that anyone can see them. Uh, Colin Jost me. and yeah. uh, wow, Kate McKinnon and T.J. Miller and Camille Nanjiani. Uh, um, what's his name? Zach Galifianakis. Wow. Oh, tons and tons. I could go on and on and on. And That's on. awesome. Yeah. So you were pretty good at curating talent. <laughs> uh, well, or just knowing that, oh, you've got some buzz yeah. or you're coming up and yeah. you need a space. You and this really is... were seeing things ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, you wouldn't believe, <laughs> but it actually extends years and years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes many years sometimes. But um, Ochi's, I'm sorry, QED. Uh-huh. See, that they're uh-huh. almost yeah. one and the same uh-huh. for me. I do it all the time still to this day. Um, Ochi's closed in 2010. How long had to... you run it by then? Um, comics was, uh, I, I was at comics from the day it opened to the day it closed 2006 to wow. 2010. So just four years. Uh-huh. And Ochi's was a good chunk of that time. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it was like, I think about a year into comics being there that I was okay. like, Oh, Hey, can I use this space? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I went on book tour from 2010 to 12 and I was booking the 92 Y for a bit and their comedy oh, I don't program. Know that. Um, yeah, the, or 92nd street. Y. I oh, think okay. is how you, oh yeah. Like YMCA. Um, no, no, no. no. Oh. It's a big, large See, listen, show. everyone. It's, I don't no, know no, no. what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, oh, why? Like, why am I saying? No, they host on. people yeah. like Obama oh, yeah. and Clinton. Oh, got it, yeah, got it. It's a big, big deal space. Yeah. yeah. It is a nonprofit, <laughs> and it's also a Jewish uh, nonprofit, oh. and I'm not Jewish, so I, I had a lot of learning curve uh, with oh, uh, yeah. working with nonprofits and um, the different holidays and religious stuff oh, yeah. that I just, am, I'm such a There's non- 4,000 Jewish holidays. Yeah. I, there might be one today. Yeah. We can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, three the 311 app is great for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, when can I park and not park? And I'm, I learn about so many yeah. holidays. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so cool that you've had so much uh, hands-on experience all throughout everything too. Like just to be able to run your own room and sublet that, and you know, running your own little bookstore when you're a kid. It's it's all tied in. Yeah, and also you know, even when I first moved to New York, I didn't immediately have the the financial stability to. Mm-hmm. So I had a day job, and my day job was working at a law firm in Rockefeller Center. And we did intellectual property and trademark law. Mm-hmm. It's an it's an international law firm, so they did they handle multiple like they helped create the government of Azerbaijan and things like that, or something you know Kazakhstan and stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like right. but they also they were, they were a global thing uh, law firm. But um, but on uh, the people I worked with, we worked mm-hmm. on trademark stuff for like Tiger Woods and Billy Blanks and the Victoria's oh, cool. Secret models yeah. and um, and then uh, I. 
started working with this one attorney who we uh, got the the trademark for the NYPD and the FDNY mm-hmm. licensed for their organizations, the Education Fund, the FDNY Education Fund, and the New York City Police Foundation, mm-hmm. which are technically nonprofits. And it was the first time in American history that um, uh, what is should be a municipality-owned, a municipal-owned mm-hmm. uh, trademark is owned by or it's a public it should be a publicly owned domain kind of okay thing like the logo of the NYPD we all as taxpayers should own it but we were able to get it licensed for the New York City Police Foundation oh yeah so it was like you know, kind of groundbreaking um yeah and uh then right after like 2 or 3 months after we got that successfully done 9-11 happened and so oh, it became very instrumental mm-hmm. in protecting the licenses and making sure that any money raised from these logos would go towards helping oh that's great yeah yeah that's good the you know uh fire ed- department education and yeah and funding for, for wow them. yeah so when you when Ochi's closed, did you immediately open QED? Like, did you know you wanted to open no. a club? No. Uh, so I started do- going on the book tour. On mm-hmm. um, the book tour. Yes. That's yeah. Right. Um, and when the book tour started winding down, I was like, Well, what do I want to be when I grow mm-hmm. up? I don't know, because I'm. I, like I said, I didn't feel like I was a writer. I didn't feel like I had another book in me until at least my dad got out of prison, because I felt like I could. My sequel to the book would be about my dad coming into the free world mm-hmm. and his um, transition into the, the free world and our ongoing yeah. relationship. But then he ended up dying in prison. So that's a separate story. But um, but I always felt like, well, it's going to take time. Yeah. He's going to have to serve out his sentence or get parole. And mm-hmm. then, then it will take a couple of years. And then you've got to have retrospect so yeah. I just always felt like it was so far into the future what made you start writing the book and the, was it like your friends telling you you have to write this stuff down yeah <laughs> yeah um owning Ochi's mm-hmm. running Ochi's I saw so many comedians getting up and telling stories and about their personal lives mm-hmm. and I had always been not very open about my childhood oh, and what a way to jump in I know and have it be a well, bestseller <laughs> I was always trying to pretend that I wasn't just this really uh, poor white trash trailer yeah, trash yeah, I feel you know that. I was uh-huh. always like a, I had a facade and that was a lot of my had to do with the way my mom raised me my mom and the deaf community is very gossipy and my oh. mom was very sensitive to that mm-hmm. and so she always kept things very hidden behind closed doors mm-hmm. and do not air dirty laundry kind of thing and yeah. so I was very much influenced by that but also it was very traumatic and I don't know I just I, I had a vision of myself and this uh, the way I grew up and where I wanted to be they didn't jive and yeah. so uh it wasn't until after my dad went to prison for trying to kill a different woman um that I I felt like well I, I'm gonna just start telling the truth now because people would uh my husband is very bad at small talk uh-huh. and talking about himself and then of course Chappelle show had just come out so everybody wanted to talk about him and, mm-hmm. and the show and all that and he would always be like hey but have you met my wife mm-hmm. She lived in a tin shed without running water and her whole family's deaf. And and then it was like off to the races. Yeah. And he just like throw me to the uh-huh. wolves kind of thing. And that's where I kind of got comfortable talking about it to yeah. people and seeing their reactions, but also hearing other people getting on stage and talking mm-hmm. about really wild personal things. Yeah. And uh, 
Sarah Benincasa. Do you know her? Oh, yeah. She had a show She's called great. The Family Hour. She used to have a show here in uh-huh. this room, I think, even. Oh. <laughs> um, she uh, had me on her Family Hour show, and I was like the Auntie, Auntie Cambry, mm-hmm. I think is what she called me or something That's like that, cute. where I was just like the, in, the uh, relative in residence. So every time she had her show there I Mm -hmm. would have a new story to tell and and that's where I started cultivating some of the stories that are in the book I love it so doing them live I assume like really helped shape them up it is very helpful because you're saying especially with dialogue Mm -hmm. you're saying things out loud and uh, later after my book came out I was emailing and and getting in touch with writers mm-hmm. about blurbing my book and mm-hmm. I went to Judy Bloom's site and she's so gracious at having all this advice on our website and stuff mm-hmm. and one of them was like say your work out loud talk out loud and say and yeah. I was like oh hey I was doing that <laughs> thanks I love that what yeah. was your process like I mean if you were going from being closed off about it to writing it all down for the world to read feels really scary it is um it uh, it's so cliche but the truth sets you free it was very freeing um the process for me was uh to just write it all out Mm -hmm. start to finish everything I could possibly remember so I my editor and I called it my brain dump Mm -hmm. and it was just like 200,000 words or something insane you know whatever it was um the publisher required 80,000 words and I think I had like double of that yeah and then once I had it all out of my head and on paper, mm-hmm. um, then I had to think, well, what's the book about? The book is about my relationship with my dad and the fact that my family is deaf. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what it's like being a hearing child in a deaf family and my relationship with him. And if it didn't have anything to do with those two themes, well, why is it in the book? So, uh, Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if I didn't have a real reason mm-hmm. as to why this particular story was in the book, then it came out. And that would help me trim it down. That's great. I love it. And it's so well written. I'm upset. Oh, like, thank you. I'm like, I feel like I borderline stalk you sometimes because <laughs> whenever somebody on Twitter is like, recommend a memoir, I'm uh, like, you got to read this one. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm always it. Oh, I'm bummed <laughs> that it's not in print anymore. It's only available as an ebook because um, this was before audiobooks were kind of oh, yeah. uh, standard practice. Mm-hmm. Now they are. Um, but also Penguin and Random House merged after my hardcover came out. Uh. And so they went through their titles and were like well which ones do we not do paperbacks for Uh, you know they just Uh, had to trim and and make cuts Mm -hmm. and so mine was a book where they were like well we'll just keep it as an ebook and not do the paperback after all which is what made it a bestseller though because it funneled all sales into only one yeah yeah oh Yeah. yeah Uh, all right. Yeah. How was the book tour? Was that so exciting and surreal? It was fun. I loved it. I loved it because it was kind of like being on stage, Mm -hmm. except um, connecting with real people and also um, therapeutic. And Mm -hmm. um, I've met a lot of people who, of course, I met a lot of CODAs and Mm -hmm. a lot of deaf parents who had gone through a lot of traumatic stuff. I mean, um, deaf kids have cochlear implants, a lot of... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, or and or mainstreaming and there is closed captioning and all this but from people my age and, and older uh, uh, there's a lot of trauma I'm not gonna cry yeah oh, I'm sorry <laughs> there's a lot of trauma yeah I mean it seems like it, it of course it's really tough you know I mean it's tough having parents or like in <laughs> like it's tough just being in the world let alone uh 
also dealing with being deaf or have, having deaf family members and having to... Well, it's m- mostly the trauma is related to um, the fact that 90% of deaf children are born to hearing parents. So hearing parents oh, yeah. who are not equipped yeah. or capable mm-hmm. of having a deaf child in a an age and a time where there aren't... Yeah services there aren't that life is much more difficult and in my parents case they were sent to live in an institution yeah that's really tough I uh one of my favorite movies there's I don't know if maybe you've seen it uh the hammer about Matt Hamill the deaf wrestler Uh uh-uh no what it is so good it is so good it's a real story I I had gone to a screening of it years ago when it came out it's a little indie film because some I have some deaf friends that were in it uh, and they, uh, I know, huge brag, name drop here. Uh, well, I'm like, who are they? Because yeah. I probably know them. <laughs> uh, this gal, Lexi Marmon, was in it, and then I'm forgetting forgetting who else. She's since quit acting. Um, but it's based on a true story, and he was a wrestler, now he's a UFC fighter, and it was... It, like his grandfather raised him and like thought he could will himself to not be deaf and mm-hmm. thought he was just being a you know a stubborn kid and so there's a lot of really <sighs> heartbreaking scenes where yeah. it's like where you like are screaming at the screen like god he has a it's a he he can't fix it right he can't do anything about it yeah and i do talk to some in my book about especially my dad's traumatic experiences his in particular because mm-hmm. my mom her her family is generationally deaf so oh. they are very uh, out and proud mm-hmm. deaf people they wished I were deaf when I was born you know they That's yeah they are just really like, sweet in a <laughs> bizarre way yeah, pillars <laughs> yeah. in the deaf community yeah, yeah uh, deaf and proud um, whereas my dad had the quite opposite very traumatic um, not his whole family is very uh, evangelical, oh, writhing yeah. on the floor, mm-hmm. speaking in tongues, handling <laughs> snakes, kind of nonsense, and uh, divine <laughs> healing. <laughs> divine healing. They believe in divine yes. healing, uh-huh. and not one single deaf person we know has been healed. Yeah. So how 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 can you believe in this? Uh, oh, it's I, it's mind boggling. Uh, yeah. But tell that to my dad, who's a child, mm-hmm. thinking that yeah. he's not good enough, that he he's evil, inherently evil. Yeah. Then he gets dumped off at a, uh, an institution and left oh, to live oh, that's so from the age of four and a half till he was 18. Fuck. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, of course you're a criminal. Of course you've got trauma. Yeah, no kidding. Of course you're abusive. Well, yeah. and they're also, uh, you know, that generation, I think, especially does not fuck with therapy. They're like, no, thanks. Uh, yeah. I can handle it on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm like trying to force my family all into therapy. I'm like, just <laughs> go. And they're like, no, it's so stupid. And I'm like, it's for elitist New Yorkers. Okay. Don't you know, Lisa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, price wise, it might be for elitist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really, uh, really tough. So you were, you were on your book tour for a few years then? About two, yeah. And it That's was so my, long. Uh, colleges. Well, it wasn't like every day or anything, right. but it was like big enough events that I, I had a, an income uh, doing town halls and uh, colleges mm-hmm. and, and um, colleges pay well <laughs> yeah so, yeah I'm like oh I would have loved to have kept doing that but after a while it's like your your book if it's not staying on the bestseller list it, yeah the interest yeah. wanes I guess yeah interest wanes and um you know every now and then it'll just all of a sudden peak again and like when the movie Coda came out and, oh you know, yeah things like that. but yeah um uh yeah, I just was like, what do, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to write another book for a long time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I miss Ochis. I want Ochis again. So 
there's QED. I love it. And how did you end up in Astoria? When I first moved to New York, I moved to Astoria. Mm-hmm. I've never lived anywhere else in the city oh. other than Astoria. Yeah. I like it out there. Yeah, it's great. Um, I used to live in the more happening nightlife part of it, and mm-hmm. QED and uh, is over across from us, uh, the highway. I'm, I'm sh- it, let's blame Robert Moses. I'm yeah. sure it's his fault <laughs> that there's a highway that divides Astoria. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's a very weird, clear, defining line. When you cross the highway, it becomes, it almost feels a little more suburban. Oh, weird. And then a lot more families. The park is over on that side uh-huh. of the highway, and there's just more open air and sunshine mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but, uh, uh the when I moved to Astoria was nineteen ninety nine, uh, two thousand officially, but ninety nine oh, yeah. I was like subletting, going back and forth and stuff. What a wild time to move to New York! Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Oof. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. know. Uh, what was Y two K? I know. Yeah, Y two K right before nine eleven. <laughs> just really getting it all in all at once. <laughs> uh, so when you opened up QED. Did you, like, what was your, I guess, what was your vision for it? It's my vision is exactly, exactly what it what is, it is right is. now. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I it. knew what I wanted and I made it. And that's the glory. The best thing about owning your own business is no one tells you what to do. Yeah. The worst part of owning your own business is no one tells you <laughs> yes. what to do. <laughs> yeah. But the glory of it is, is this, this yeah. is what I had. Because when I told people what I was opening... I was opening a comedy club in Astoria, mm-hmm. but it was also going to have adult education like crochet, mm-hmm. watercoloring, swing dancing. Mm-hmm. We have meetups we, for board games. We have lectures. We have on uh, his, history. I'm a big history buff, and oh, so we, we have a lot of New York City history especially, mm-hmm. but um, like we've had Egyptian uh, beer and al- alcohol history uh, that... Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all kinds of just weird. If you're interested in it, we've probably done it or some yeah. version of it. And I know I got so many, well, you should. Oh, that won't work. And oh, yeah. oh yeah. you should do this. You should do that. And uh, I just knew that it would work. And the reason I knew it is because I had done it in a in different forms yeah, before because you've just done it for so long and people I think people like to say something's not going to work for some mm. reason that's just like what people like to say right out of the a gate a lot of comedy club owners they were uh, a lot a couple a handful mm-hmm. that I uh, they were oh that's going to just confuse people they're not going to know what that place is they're not going to you know you really need to focus hyper focus on one product and I was like yeah but I've worked at comics for example this yeah. beautiful theater that mm-hmm. sat empty for about 80% of the time. That's the thing. You're using the the full space and it's like why not especially like you're paying rent on the building. Exactly. And to for it to sit empty that uh for a good 80 70 to 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um and now that was a, a 10,000 square foot facility yeah. including the kitchen and the, mm-hmm. the offices and everything but still an enormous yeah. facility in the meatpacking district so their rent and everything is astronomical but still the same principle applies that I am paying rent for 100% of the time, let me try to maximize the amount yeah. of uh, dollars that can be made during that time. Um, the bookstore has expanded 
um, it was just a small little wall of books by and for comedians and artists. Yeah, when I came in the other day, I was like, oh, but it's bigger now. That was so a pandemic more. related yeah. thing. Yeah, I, and it has trimmed down since the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to keep it about what the level it is now. Yeah. But um, yeah, we have a lot of private parties, uh, birthday parties, and we've had a bris and two oh, weddings whoa, and three whoa. funerals. <laughs> and also, I think having all the extra events and things takes the pressure off of the comedy shows right. because then it's not like yeah, and 100%. we have to sell out, otherwise yep. I can't eat. Right. You know, so I think in turn then makes the shows better yeah. because you can have a little bit more creative Fun freedom. And, and, yes, yeah. 100%. That's exactly it. And that's exactly why it's not um, built to look and act like a bar or a nightclub. Yeah. When you walk in, it's bright and colorful. There's energy and art. It's really welcoming. And, yeah, very. And there's an energy to it that um, you can't paint. You know, you can't create that. It, it's yeah. in the fabric of this building. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm too into uh, like karma and yeah, and, and like woo woo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's there is an energy there that you can't. Yeah, you can't craft that. That it comes inherently with a space sometimes. And the space actually used to be a funeral home. What? Uh, yeah. The the. The space was. My- <laughs> I don't know why that just like felt so like I like spooky stuff, but all of a sudden I'm like, hold on. What? Well, it was a, a, a large uh, unit, the mm-hmm. funeral home, and then the landlord who owns it now. He when he bought it, he divided it up into three units. Um, but QED has the breaker box, and it still says funeral home on it. And um, I kind of love that where the curtain yeah. is, the uh-huh. room dividing curtain. That's the old accordion. Uh, thing oh. that is actually built and shoved into the wall. They they built a wall around the accordion door. They've just pushed it all the way open and then built a wall around it. So when I when I was like, hey, uh, when I was looking at the space, mm-hmm. I asked the landlord, didn't this place used to be a funeral home? And yeah. he was like, there were no bodies in here. <laughs> he got very defensive. And I was like, dude, it was a funeral home. There were bodies everywhere which is probably what he told everyone else every single unit he's like no no no. it was it was over there it's where the theater is now he, got, he yeah. was like no there were no nobodies and then when i realized yeah. that the accordion room divider was there mm-hmm. i was like oh this was the viewing room this was where the families would get privacy and shut the the oh, accordion yeah. door so specifically in qed is where the bodies were but <laughs> You're very much so, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, first of all, if it is haunted, every theater needs that, that yeah. it's not haunted. There's yeah. just good energy and good vibes, which I attribute, like, that um, religion is theater and theater is religion yeah. and all of life is about sharing these moments and stuff. Yeah. And I, I honestly think it's the uh, a good thing. And I think that's what that energy that is built into the into the space that you can't bake <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's also you could think like if that's where the if QED specifically is where the families were doing the viewing that's the people that love them, them the, the most. most there's so, so much love that's and, where yeah. that comes from yeah there's so much love uh, being transferred in there yeah also god bless that man i don't know if spirits if there are spirits <laughs> uh obey time and space and walls and doors <laughs> i don't know if they're like no no i was closed off in this corner so i shall stay here <laughs> yeah, yeah.
Yeah, and we have had since then. We've had uh, three funerals. When I say funerals, like with the cremated remains, so not like uh, bodies. So like uh, memorials and. Oh, so you're. I'm like, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, we've we've revived it as a funeral space. <laughs> we've had a couple of weddings. The bris, which was really yeah, uh, that is... yeah. I, don't, I won't do that one again. Yeah, yeah, oh, that seems uh, real strange. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's strange in the best of circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was uncomfortable after it. Yeah. Um, but then a ton of birthday mm-hmm. parties and uh, baby showers and wedding showers and stuff. So yeah, a lot of, of celebratory and um, life affirming. Things. That's great. Yeah. Anytime we book a private event and I, I say this to the families after and I don't I'm not pulling their chain or trying mm-hmm. to get brownie points or a good Yelp review. I, I truly mean it that there are very few times when we get everyone we know all together in one room. Mm-hmm. And so when you pick QED for that space, that yeah. be, we are become part of the fabric of your life and what a what an honor and a privilege that's so that sweet. is yeah that's such a sweet way to see it yeah. it's just like well we're filling this space and check rent yeah, right, is yeah. paid you know? oh and i paid my rent this yeah, month yeah, thank yeah. you very much <laughs> you're just like may i make an announcement thank you for helping me pay rent this month and you're like, what yeah. <laughs> well i also keep, i keep it very very affordable because i do want the space to be used yeah. and i always tell i'm not precious about how you know move the furniture hang things on the wall all of it the whole yeah. reason i I built this place is for us to use it so use it and um uh it's it yeah i i keep it affordable because i was very poor mm-hmm. and it's important to me that a place is accessible i would have killed for a place like yeah when i yeah, was a kid absolutely. oh man i would have saved my life yeah yeah yeah, that's the one thing, like, when uh, there's a lot of financial barriers in the arts mm-hmm. that are like, why? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so unnecessary. Yeah. I, try, I, I try so hard to make it as equitable yeah. and accessible as possible and still pay the rent. And, of course, the pandemic has made that almost impossible. We're hemorrhaging money. Yeah. Uh, we got a grant to help with that hemorrhaging, to stifle that or whatever, but... Um, stanch the bleeding. Yeah. But uh, now this fall is like, okay, we got to get serious. Let's see if we can get back to normal now. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I've lost track of this. I just remembered you were running for local office. Um. Yeah. No, but not in the city, upstate. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And it's like a Trump, Trump district. They voted for Trump mm. twice. Yeah. Why? I think maybe once only. But yeah. So I was like, well, I'm QED's not open and I don't want this guy to run by no one opposing him. So it was uh, like a little teeny local race. I I probably won't ever run again. I do think I would be good at in office. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a full time job and I've got a lease, you know, with QED. So it's like like how many jobs can you possibly do all at once? Plus your painting and like (laughs) and ice skating. Yes. So watercoloring. I love it. Well, and one of your paintings was turned into a flag. Am I getting this right? And it was right out here in Rockefeller Center. Center. Yeah. That is wild. It was not on my list of things to do before I died. But yeah, I, I started teaching myself watercoloring uh, from YouTube mm-hmm. and uh, YouTube's great. And yeah, yeah, it just uh, turns out I'm really good at watercoloring. Had no idea. It was one of those, oh, 
I could have been an yeah. artist. It's so funny. I love, by the way, that you're like, I guess I'll write a book. Okay, so it's a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> mm, I guess I'll watercolor. Oh, okay, so the city has picked it or whatever. Well, now I'm ice skating. I'm yeah. not going to the Olympics. Yeah, okay, <laughs> bullshit. We'll see. <laughs> the next Winter Olympics. <laughs> yeah, I started ice skating at age 50. I got braces, started ice skating. I was like, oh, man, if this is a w- woman's version of a midlife crisis, this is pretty fucking wholesome. Yeah, I think that the being creative and just like knocking it out of the park with things. Yeah. Well, I am spinning and jumping, but uh, um, after just a year. So maybe I'll have a recital, but I'm not going to yeah. the Olympics. Yeah. So well, I, I don't think I, may, I can maybe pick a different medium well, yeah. to try and to knock out of the park. Fast forward, you're having the recital at Rockefeller Center. Lauren <laughs> yeah. Michaels is overlooking it. <laughs> Just approving, yeah. nodding, approving. <laughs> uh, well, what's great about the uh, ice skating and why I'm loving it so much is you can't take your phone on the ice. Yes. This is everything I've noticed, like everything I really love to immerse myself in. I'm like, oh, I can't touch my phone when I, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you would think that'd be a clue, but then I'm like, but my phone all day. Oh boy, this week's <laughs> been rough for me. The stuff happening in Ukraine, I've been staying up till two, three in the morning so reading. Much. It's so much and, uh, and it's so confusing because it's not in uh, English and mm-hmm. I'm trying to, and I'm propaganda and everything. And there's always something new. Yeah, when, it, when you refresh, yeah. Twitter is the devil. So are you now fluent in Russian? Please, Cambria, uh, I can't no. take it anymore. I know. I've been studying Duolingo, uh, Spanish on Duolingo. Okay, okay. I'm like on a hundred, a one thousand and thirteen day streak of oh, Duolingo. That's incredible. But I'm studying Spanish, so I'm like, yeah. oh, I should have been doing Russian all this yeah. time. Oh, yeah. now I, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, my uh, new favorite TV show that's not really a TV show is uh, the raid on Mar-a-Lago and all the January sixth stuff. Like. <laughs> I'm so glued to all of it and I'm trying to talk to my friends and they're like please get a life Lisa you can't this is crazy and I'm like I think I'm gonna rewatch all the trials before they start doing the next ones in September and they're like this is not Lord of the Rings. Stop. I know, I know. I did, uh, after my vacation, we went on a two-week uh, summer break, mm-hmm. which is something new for QED, is to have vacations, and we're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. Oh. Um, yeah, and part that's part of why we're hemorrhaging money, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think for the long term, I've got to stay closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, mm-hmm. at least Mondays, because it's given me a life and yeah. some work-life balance. But having that two-week summer break, I came back and I was I was like, okay, I, I think I really do need to reassess my um, the amount of time I'm spending on the news. It's all very important, but I am not going to change anything. Yes. I have no power to change anything. <laughs> what I say is somebody else has probably already thought of, somebody who is in a position to change yeah, things sure. has probably already sure. thought of it. And I'm like, well, surely the CIA, if they, they knew these documents were missing, surely they've been like, tracking him and had his yeah. phones bugged and all yeah. this i'm like why am i worried about this oh, somebody yeah. else should <laughs> i've been spiraling over them approving this special master for him i'm like but the doc we already know they're very they're they're classified spiraling this is person, a great yeah, word yeah it's, uh, it can I, send you down a horrible <laughs> swirl making myself totally yeah. insane yeah. it is great though i think you ran for that you did run for local office because so many people do run unopposed and they're just 
lunatics and yeah. then you know somewhere and, yeah in a trumpy place where they're waving trump flags and confederate flags it's 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 revolting and so i did i came close i think i came within 14 votes they had to do oh it. wow yeah yeah that's very they close. were all like oh hey nice they, they were a little surprised because well, i'm next from time. the city yeah and i didn't i don't live there full time there were a lot of strikes against me so they sure. were pretty pretty surprised at how well I did. Yeah, we should have done this ahead of that. I oh. well, I should <laughs> if I had had one more week, I would have done yeah, it. But I yeah. I started a little too late on the heavy duty hand, yeah. hand uh baby kiss and hand shaken. Yeah. Well, yeah. next time. Yeah. Or something. I don't think there's yeah. going to be You're like next please time. please no. no. You're like straight to president. <laughs> yeah, I'm still dealing with the election board of elections paperwork crap for oh, a real Lord. little rinky dink. Lord. election little teeny rinky dink yeah. election and i'm like uh this is you have to have a support group for this yeah. and well maybe you would if you were running for higher office but this low this little race i didn't have the support that i yeah, needed for that tough. for that and kind then of you're stuff. running a theater and doing your triple um, axles and, and i wrote a bill and, yeah. that was passed oh, by the new york state what? senate yeah that's incredible yeah and i got a yeah proclamation the state new york state senate gave me a proclamation a what's the bill it is about commercial uh, protecting um, individual business owners uh-huh. from commercial debt related to the pandemic. So normally, oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm pers- a personal guarantee. Mm-hmm. I have a personal guarantee on the lease. So if if something goes wrong, you know, I personally, Cambry, I'm responsible for mm-hmm. it. But because if it's uh, due to the time period of the pandemic, mm-hmm. that little chunk of money it would not be personally liable for. Oh, that's yeah. great. Which is like a no-brainer, but we needed to put it in writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can't count on uh, people <laughs> well, to just be kind. A New York City yes. landlord. You're going to count <laughs> yeah. on them to do the yeah, right thing. To not quintuple yeah. your rent. And, yeah. well, mm-hmm. and the next two bills that I'm working on, hopefully getting passed, is a vacancy tax and commercial rent stabilization. I love it. So, God, you are you just are things. unstoppable. Um, so far, but I figure also, <laughs> you know, there's going to come a time when I'm not able, and I sure. want to make sure that I live. Uh, 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 so corny. I want to live every day to its fullest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do as yeah. much as you possibly as can I possibly and... can while I can. Um, I you know I had breast cancer uh, five years ago. I just got my five year. Oh my gosh! Congrats. Gold star, and um, and. It, Getting breast cancer was a little bit of a kind of a snap me out of it wake yeah. up call a little bit, but I've always I've always been pretty goal oriented and and pretty driven, and I think it's because I did grow up so poor and isolated. I now that I'm yeah. free from all that and living the best life I can, I want to take full advantage yeah. of it. But um, yeah, getting breast cancer definitely was a little uh, sure. of a sobering reality. Like oh, life is very short and. All the you know gun violence and just tragedy of all around us. I uh, people I know die all the time, and you never and uh, yeah. unexpectedly. And it's like you know I want to make sure today's great. Yeah, it's yeah. You, I think that's so important to do. I know that's so corny to say, I know, uh, I know. but I I feel you on that. I had a handful of friends die really young, and it just that kind of was like, oh okay, well no, I just have to go do what I want to do. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know. Don't let anybody stop you. Yeah. yeah. So what are you working on coming up that you're really excited about? Uh, well, ice skating. I start tomorrow at Chelsea Piers. I'm starting I season two, my uh, second year. Yeah. So How often do you do it? Um, About three times a week. That's which exciting. If I, I think that's about right 
for somebody who has a full time job and uh, you know to, yeah, to still be able learning to learning Spanish and writing <laughs> bills and <laughs> well then trying to keep QED alive. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this fall winter season will be um, back to quote unquote normal or close to it. Yeah. Um, uh, if we can just keep afloat. I don't need to make money. I don't need it to, yeah. you know, nobody's trying to get rich here. It's a community theater space. Um, but I don't want to, like, lo- have us lose our shirts on it. And, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Um, and then, yeah, helping pass those bills, hopefully. I might write another book uh, or two. I thought, since this is about work, uh, one book that I thought I could write in the immediate term mm-hmm. before my dad sequel uh is about how to open and run a business and just my career path of uh being everything from the giant rat at showbiz pizza (laughs) chuck e cheese (laughs) and a bank teller dream job (laughs) and a bus boy and all those all those jobs that i had all those years of they've all every single job i've had every single one of them Mm -hmm. has contributed to the ability for me to own and operate QED every yeah, single job the busboy job the being a giant rat in a costume <laughs> uh, the marketing and PR dumb stuff I did you know yeah well because everything's teaching you different skills all of it yeah and I think that that's also a great idea to write about because I feel like most business books are like and then here's what I yeah. did when I graduated Harvard and it's like right. oh fuck you, you and the, yeah, yeah the, the woman who owns Facebook or runs Facebook um and people who are oh, like yes. crazy yeah. rich uh-huh. in these giant giant corporations yeah. and it's like well no what if I just want to open a little community space in my yeah. in my town um yeah that and um I I felt like it could be a bizwar like a business memoir oh yeah okay so it would yeah. be like here are the jobs that I had and how they were and that that trajectory but how they'll practically apply to you and opening your business because yeah. a lot of people ask me my advice on how to open mm-hmm. a business and I'm like I don't I you can't just sit and pick my brain I don't have time for that kind yeah. of thing but yeah, if I wrote so it all like, down I would love legislation to share passed. it <laughs> yeah I, I want to share it I want yeah, people yeah. To, to have this information absolutely but in a more practical way to like get it out to the masses in yeah. one way and um, but I felt like I could maybe set it up like a choose your own adventure. Ooh, uh-huh. So, you know, the choose your own adventure oh, yeah, books, absolutely. like, okay, if you, if you decide to open a comedy club, turn to page 20. And if you decide to own, uh, open a theater, turn to page 22 uh-huh. and they will all, no matter what decision you make, all of them are going to end with the basement flooding, <laughs> the basement. <laughs> if you don't have a basement, the roof the ceiling yeah, something's gonna happen will leak every time is, yeah. the ceiling will leak the basement will flood yeah. there is no getting around it yeah it will happen it's just a question of when and no nothing you choose yeah. so will figure change out that. how you're gonna deal with that yeah in fact we had a tornado warning last night and i was like oh great my basement and i went yeah. and my my office rug is completely soaked and, perfect yeah. great amazing yeah. Uh, yeah um well i have one last question for you mm-hmm. i like to ask everyone before we wrap up if 10-year-old Cambry could meet you as an adult woman now, what do you think she would think of you? Oh, pretty astounded, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because 10-year-old Cambry was doing the stuff that now yeah, 51-year-old Cambry is doing. Running a puppet so theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got yeah. Kool-Aid. I have a popcorn machine. Yeah. <laughs> fun. That's- 
that's what every kid wants. And I have a real card catalog. Uh, back in the trailer, I had a, 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 a makeshift one. Yeah. I've got a real card catalog and a popcorn machine. How oh, cool. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's so cool. Best. Um, well, thank you so much for being on Thanks today. For having it was so me. great talking to you. Um, make sure to check out Cambry, uh, check out QED in Astoria and get her book, Burn Down the Ground. Uh, I I love it so much. And um, again, I'm Lisa Curry. Check me out on Instagram at Olympian. Lisa Curry, and if you are in San, nope, if you are in Seattle tonight, I am at the Crocodile Theater. Uh, I have one show. I'm headlining. It's going to be great. So come out to that. And uh, other than that, we'll see you right back here next week on She's So Funny. Okay. Ah, thank All right. you. <clears throat> Wait. Thank so you. are you an Olympian? <laughs> no. <laughs>